1: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, August 9th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: But it's important to vote in primaries just as much, if not more, than in the main
1: election say so that you make sure that the right candidates get on the ballot. And He sets the tone for all the policies that happen in Mississippi, so it's of great importance that we select someone that has the best interest of Mississippi at heart. The
2: assassination attempts and the lies that have been spread about him, it made it important for me to come out and give him my support today. Well, I always vote in every election
1: because we fought hard for this right and it's just a privilege and an honor. To be able to honor our people who fought so long for voting rights for the African-American people. I feel like if there's a good turnout, I do
2: think that the incumbent will come out on top. But if for some reason people stay at home, then he could definitely be in trouble.
1: And enough people did turn out for Republican incumbent Delbert Hoseman. In this year's most contentious primary race, the lieutenant governor held off two challengers to secure the party's nomination. We'll examine that race and look ahead to November's general election on this Mississippi edition election special. Our guests joining us, Austin Barber and Brandon Jones. Austin is a Republican strategist, Brandon is a Democrat and former member of the Mississippi House of Representatives. Thank you both for being here. Good morning. Good to be here. The biggest question mark of the statewide races was if Republican Senator Chris McDaniel could wrangle enough support to force a runoff in his challenge against Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. The campaign was heated, featuring loads of negative attack ads. Last week, the attorney general announced an investigation into a political action committee associated with the McDaniel campaign over potential violations of Mississippi election code. But in the end, it was the last Republican race called, and Hoseman was able to clear the 50 percent plus one threshold to avoid a runoff. There's a lot that can be unpacked from this result. Let's look at the map first. McDaniel carried Jones County and other large portions of southeast Mississippi, as well as DeSoto and north Mississippi. Hoseman was strong in the Jackson metro area, in the university towns, and the three coastal counties. Austin, did anything surprise you or stand out with how this race unfolded?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, there are several things. First of all, and we'll, we'll talk about this in depth, I hope, is is how Republican primary turnout has changed. It certainly changed from 23 to 2019, and we'll get to that. Because you have know, a lot of big counties that were down and a lot of rural counties that were up. Um, We've got 361,000 people who voted now, 93 percent in. We're going to likely exceed the 2019 biggest Republican turnout ever at 383,000. But listen, McDaniel's firewall in the Pine Belt failed him last night. He lost Marion County. He lost Lamar County. He lost Forest County. Um, He could not afford to lose those counties. Uh, Harrison County and Jackson County were there where my friend over here is from Jackson County. There are a lot of votes there. They went overwhelming for uh, Delbert Hoseman. And listen, Delbert won the vast majority of the counties in Northeast Mississippi. And when you look at the Metro Jackson area, there was a lot of attention paid to to Madison County. I mean, de, you know, Delbert is up 36 points in Madison County. And then he, he won Rankin by 19. So, Metro counties were down, but there's still a ton of raw votes there. And, you know, the Hoseman did an outstanding job in those areas. And um, that's the story of the night. Really, the Pine Belt, the way the coast went overwhelming uh, for Hoseman and a whole lot of other rural counties, Brandon.
2: Yeah, just not really the heavyweight bout that we were anticipating. I mean, if if we're honest about it, uh, Hosman overperformed throughout the state and yeah. uh it, it's um one of those things where 2 hours into the result portion of the evening, we knew who was going to win that race. Um so it, interesting chapter in Mississippi politics. I think if you had asked us a year ago about Deltbert Hosman's prospects, we would have said he's among the more popular political figures in Mississippi, um, and maybe not too surprised by this race. But this has been a pretty tense several months, and so – you know, this, this was a little bit more than we were expecting.
0: Yeah, the only reason it wasn't called earlier is because they were wondering whether it would go to a runoff or not. That, th- there was no pathway for, for McDaniel to win the race. It was just, is Hoseman going to get 50% plus one? But the Hoseman campaign wanted and really worked for a huge turnout, and they ex- they're going to have achieved in a massive success their goal for a huge turnout.
1: Let's talk about the Democratic vote. Only one statewide race on the Democratic ballot was contested. That's a recipe for crossover voters. What, if any, factor do you think they might have played in this? Because I did hear some folks who would normally vote Democrat saying they were going to the primary to vote Republican.
2: Yeah, I I think that's a fact. I I think that happens. um, You know, it's not too unique to this race. I think that happens when you don't have a – particularly competitive race in your backyard and and one of the things that we saw here was a lot of money put into the lieutenant governor's race a lot of focus and um look not to rehash old narratives but if people remember the united states senate race from 2014 there was undoubtedly a lot of folks who participated in that primary that were traditional democratic voters um i'm not going to be surprised at all if we saw some of that happen again this time um one of the things that we study, you know, as my day job, I work for the SPLC Action Fund, and we study local Southern races. Southern
1: Poverty Law Center.
2: Um, yeah, we call it SPLC Action Fund as our C4, though. Okay. And um, we study races across the South, and we look at, you know, how candidates show up on people's ballots. And we are noticing an alarming rate of people running uncontested throughout the entire Southeast, uh, not just the Mississippi deal. Um, I don't know if people noticed on their ballot yesterday, there was probably five, six, seven places, a majority of their ballot where no one else was on the other side. Um, When you have a scenario like that, typically the race with the most money and focus tends to be where people go. I think that was the default race here. That 300,000 number that Austin mentioned has been the Mendoza line for Republican primaries kind of going back to 2014. So not too surprising there, I, I, I guess, Austin, from my perspective.
0: Yeah, I, I listen, if I'm a, if I'm a Democrat leader in the, in the Mississippi Democrat Party, I'm worried about this. There's a ton of enthusiasm, a ton of energy, a ton of excitement. Um, I'm not going to say in 82 counties, been in a vast majority of counties um, around the state about going and vote in the Republican primary. Brandon Presley didn't have a race okay the, the you know the state democrat party wanted to make sure you know brandon had his didn't have to spend any money in the primary and that's fine that may have been the right strategy but it's also I, you know if you if you don't sort of get that warm-up game in the primary uh, and we've all been in those races where you know okay you,
1: you don't know where you stand no, so to speak well
0: no your, your team needs to have a practice game and sometimes the primary is your practice game as you're getting ready for the general election and and Brandon ha- had a had a clean slate didn't have anybody uh, to run against him so from an energy perspective I'd be nervous about that if I if if I was Democrats and you just see Republican primaries growing stronger and stronger in a lot of rural counties that we hadn't seen before. The, the Republican primary used to be about 10 or 15 counties. I'm not going to say it's about 82 now, but it's about a whole lot more uh, than 10 or 15.
2: Yeah, you know, I just want to say this. First of all, it's the Democratic Party. I know people have a hard time, but that's the pronunciation. Um, I think that Republicans are entering their almost second decade of almost total domination of state offices. At at some point, we have to kind of stop acting like this is a fresh narrative. And also, the drop-off in urban vote among the Republican Party, I guess we could say, well, Republicans ought to be scared because they're losing cities, which is where most college graduates live, which is where the you know income is higher. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways to cut this. I'm not sure it means what you're suggesting. And look, last year was a very similar situation. It was not a contest four years ago. It was pretty similar. There wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of contested Democratic primaries and the general election for governor was separated by 40,000 votes. So, I mean, we'll see if it matters in November, but I'm not so sure that I would be quaking over that. I think there was enthusiasm about beating Chris McDaniel. I think that's where the enthusiasm was. I'm not sure that it translates to the party as a whole.
1: Let's shift to the race for the governor's mansion. Again, this is Mississippi Edition, our election special. I'm Desiree Frazier, and I'm joined by Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones. We are recapping yesterday's primary races. Governor Tate Reeves has secured the Republican nomination in his race for a second term, defeating two primary challengers. The previous two Republican incumbents, Haley Barber in 2007 and Phil Bryant in 2015, faced primary challengers in their pursuit for re-election. Both carried over 90 percent of the Republican primary vote. Reeves, though was not able to match that, notching seventy five percent of the vote still a strong number, but it does reflect a slide so before we look at the general election, Austin, what if anything, does this say about Reeves' popularity within his own party?
0: um I don't think it says anything just to be just to be honest with you. We just talked about how the Republican primary vote um has it, just dramatically changed i'm I'm trying to pull up results from 2007 the closest thing that i see is less than 200,000 people voted in the republican primary um i wish i could find the the, the governor's race primary for that one oh i did find it it's 197,000 so <laughs> we're not going to double that but we're going to be pretty close to doubling that and what happens is you have pe- you have People who are going to vote for Brandon Presley in the general election who voted in the Republican primary. Why? Because they wanted to vote in their sheriff's race or they wanted to vote for their their neighbor who's running for supervisor or tax collector and they're not gonna vote in that, they 're not going to vote they want to come over there and vote on those local races, but they 're also not going to go cast um, a, you know, a vote for for Tate Reeves in the in the primary, so I, I just think it's, it is not apples and apples to compare how Tate Reeves did in two thousand and twenty three to how Haley Barber did in two thousand and seven when the Republican primary is totally different Brandon didn 't agree with me, and that 's okay. <laughs> And I, will never say, I will never say Democrat <laughs> party again. I will say Democratic party hey, man, again. man, that's a
2: big victory this morning. You know, I think uh, Austin's spinning a little bit this morning. Uh, you know, look, uh, 25% is more than Ron DeSantis is getting in early primary states. That's an appreciable number. Um, what that says is that one out of every four people who voted in the Republican primary yesterday would choose a sack of potatoes over Tate Reeves. I mean, that's what it says, because these candidates were not well-known. They were not well-funded. I could not tell you their name right now. So 25% is a big figure. And and if I'm looking at this from the Republican perspective this morning, I'm more concerned with that than I am celebrating that we matched our number from four years ago in turnout. I'm thinking, boy, we couldn't crack 80% running against air. I think that's a problem. And keep in mind, the margin four years ago was 40,000 votes. That means if things stay pretty much the same, Brandon Presley needs to find 20,000 more votes. A Republican incumbent who can't clear the 80 percent mark running against Ayer might be shedding some vote. I think that's what I'm looking
0: at. Yeah, and the problem for Brandon is nobody really voted for him yesterday. He was the nominee. He didn't have a challenger. Nobody nobody got to go to fight for Brandon Presley in their primary or go work a precinct for Brandon Presley or go knock doors for Brandon Presley uh, in a in a really com, com, you know com a competitive way to try to say, we've well, we got to get our guy, make sure he wins by 80 points. Listen, would I have rather have seen Tate Reeds get 80% yesterday? Yes. But I also believe uh, there are a lot of folks who voted in that primary who didn't vote there four years ago, eight years ago, or 16 years ago. Things are just changing.
1: So, as you mentioned – And I'm
0: sorry, we'll find out in November really what it means. It's because we're just kind of guessing right now, educated yeah. guesses, but obviously – You know, there is an election in November, and and we'll see what happens then.
1: And that's what analysts do. Reeves will face, as you mentioned, Democrat Brandon Presley, who ran uncontested in the party primary. He has a record as governor that will certainly be front and center in this race. He had this to say last night celebrating his victory, and this is Reeves.
0: When I was first elected, I told you all I wanted to be a governor for all Mississippi. And I've strived to do that every day since you put your vote of confidence in me four years ago. I want to create a better future for our children. I want to leave this state better than I found it. I know what we all know that Mississippi is home to the best people in the world.
1: Brandon, does Reeves record reflect a governor for all Mississippi? And what will a Presley campaign present to voters to challenge his record?
2: You know, unfortunately, Governor Reeves record does not reflect a person who is trying to represent all Mississippians. I I think there was a time in his political career where that was more true than it is now. Um, I I recall a time when uh, Reeves was willing to work on substantive issues across the aisle. What we have seen is an increasing rightward slant. Um, That's not unique to him. Since 2016, every governor, Republican governor across the country has been doing their best Donald Trump impersonation. Um, We've seen that increasingly out of the governor. Um, His staff has changed dramatically from policy-heavy staff to more political staff. And if you look on his social media feed, if you look on his remarks, if you look on how he has Prosecuted this primary. This is someone who is trying to play to the far right reaches of the party. Um, has has been excited to tout bills that targeted segments of the population that you are said vulnerable.
1: prosecuted.
2: Yeah, prosecuted uh, the prim- the primary campaign. Yeah, that's another way of just saying executed. You know, yeah.
1: I'm thinking of the legal perspective on yeah, that's that. Right. Like that's prosecuted. probably the main
2: usage for it, but there are others.
1: All right, all right, Brandon. I'm Austin. Uh-uh. My apologies. <laughs> Brandon,
0: had, Brandon threw you so much with his usage. He is a lawyer, so that's why he said we prosecuted. Listen, I, you know, I'm not surprised. I mean um – um uh, my friend over here, Brandon, is is not going to agree with with Tate Reeves' record, I, I, but I I do, and I, and I should say his his um, his new chief of staff is his former policy director, who was a policy director in Washington D.C., who is immensely smart on policy issues, and I I, I so I, all all these all of these offices have political people in them, but I think he is um, his folks are really focused on policy. But listen. Um, you asked the question, is he focused on all Mississippians? Go look at his record on education. It's tremendous. Go look. I mean, we had the LA Times, the New York Times, national publications bragging about where Mississippi is on education. That's never been, those stories have never been written in my lifetime, and I'm older than Brandon. I hate to say that. So yes, that, that is right all Mississippians there. who were who are positively impacting by the you know Tate his record when he was lieutenant governor and now for four years uh, and, as governor and I you know I think what he has done to get us out um, uh, of COVID. Safely opening back our businesses as quickly as they possibly can, allowing these small businesses to survive as best as they possibly can. And then with new jobs, I think his records were really, really good.
1: What about on health care?
0: Uh, listen, uh, on health care. Um, because
1: that's a tenuous issue. Yeah. Medicaid expansion or something that would cover more Mississippians, working Mississippians.
0: Yeah, I, I think that some of the top hospitals in the state right now, some of our biggest four and five hospitals in the state right now, uh, are very pleased with with what Tate Reeves uh, is is working on with them. Ways to strengthen their systems, ways to strengthen uh, hospitals at the uh, at the rural level. Uh, uh, you know, we have too many hospitals in Mississippi as of right now. We just do the our more rural hospitals. Hospitals have got to find a way to get smaller. Um, well, and, they and to are get, and to actually because well, they're and, closing and, units. How many of them have closed? Besides, I, I don't have those details. Yeah, so I, I don't but. think I don't think that's very fair to say that they're closing units. Some of them have. You, you look at what's happening at, at the at the Greenwood Lafleur Hospital. Yes, it has certainly gotten smaller. Um, but I, I, but you asked a question about healthcare. I think Tate Reese's record on healthcare is 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 pretty good. Could it be better? It always could be better. Uh, he's against expanding Medicaid. I think that's always the go-to. Is well, where is he on expanding Medicaid? He's 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 been pretty open about where he is on that, but I think he's focused um, working with hospital CEOs throughout the state, big ones and small ones, on what can he do to try to help them as they're recovering post-COVID.
2: You know, this issue that you bring up is the most glaring example of the governor putting politics over substantive policy. Over 40 states across the country, Republican led states included, of course, um, have expanded Medicaid. And that's because it's proven to be a helpful way to keep people from having to use emergency rooms as their point of first contact, as their doctor's offices. And it's also provided needed medical infrastructure. You know, we say this all the time. There are places in Mississippi where you can be in a car wreck or you can be in a serious heart situation and not make it to the emergency room on time because there is not a care facility within your region. We have health care deserts throughout the state. Um, you know it met this 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 notion of i'm do i'm not going to be for medicaid expansion um But I'm not going to offer any viable alternative. I think you see people in the healthcare industry and you see people who have had to struggle in this gap of patient care in Mississippi who say that is just an unacceptable answer. And as a result of that, we do have a medical system that's on the brink. No one would call this a healthy medical system in Mississippi. I mean, we are reaching third world type numbers. I mean, there are thousands upon thousands of Mississippians who can hear my voice right now who can't make it to a hospital. And that's just unacceptable.
1: Okay, Presley is campaigning on Medicaid expansion. He's looking to do what Jim Hood, if you recall, couldn't do in 2019, and that is win enough independent and crossover votes. He had this to say last night. This is Brandon Presley.
0: We're going to go out for those votes. Look, I'm not going to forsake any voter in Mississippi. I'm going
2: to every voter. And we welcome Republicans who are sick of Tate Reeves to join our campaign. We we invite independents who want to vote for who they want to vote for to join our campaign.
0: So the way we're going to win them is we're going to go after them. And these folks are not going to be fooled by the governor's scare tactics or what issue of the day that he manufactures. They're smarter than that. And uh, they're going to come to our side and we're going to beat him come November and send him to the unemployment line.
1: Austin, you kind of explained to us how your perspective on the Medicaid expansion, but there's some other policy issues, the ballot initiative or the accountability for the TANF scandal. Could that attract Republican voters to cross over?
0: I'm not sure what Brandon. I mean, it sounded like he was in front of a crowd of one. There, um, not a lot of excitement coming out of uh, you know primary night. Um, he's talking about the, the scare tactics, scare tactics. The issue of the day. I think Tate Reeves has been pretty disciplined on what his issues are, what he's going to talk about um, in this race. And I think when you go look at the polling from this race, voters, voters are siding with Tate Reeves right now. Um, even, you know, there was internal. I won't even bring up internal numbers from the from the, the Reeves campaign that had him up 17. I'll just go look at the Mississippi today. Not the biggest fans of Tate Reeves. They had a poll that came out that had Tate Reeves up 49, um, 38. Listen, I, I think Brandon Presley is a really good politician. Okay, I think he is an excellent stump speaker. Um, I, I will give him that. I think he is a person. If he is in a room, a small a room with a big group or small group, people are going to like him. But I think he's wrong on the issues for Mississippi, for the majority of Mississippians who are going to vote in this race. Um, and I think that's all. I know that's ultimately all that's really going to matter in this race. Uh, I don't have you know, anything negative personally say about Brandon, I just, Brandon Presley, I just don't. Again, I think he's a really polished politician, but he's got problems in this race. He's going to be outspent. He has low name ID outside of his home base in basically Northeast Mississippi. Um, And and those are issues that he's going to have to overcome uh, to try to win a race against an incumbent governor, which is very difficult to do, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat incumbent governor.
2: You know, that, that speech took place last night in Nettleton. There were over 100 people there just for clarity's sake. But – and, and, and
1: you know, I think what I should heard. interject yeah. for accuracy's sake. That was an interview that we did here over the phone. Okay, fair point. Oh, gotcha. Our uh, managing editor, Michael Guidry, did that interview.
2: Well, and look, we're, we're that's why let, you don't hear a Let's crowd. say this. We're not going to have a hard time with crowd attraction, I think, in this race. I think it's going to be there. You just heard from one of the most talented public speakers in Mississippi. And so he, he's he's going to continue to to light it up, I think, in that respect. Um, it's pretty clear to me. You know, we talk about what are these issues of this campaign going to be about? It's pretty clear to me that Governor Reeves wants to talk about these culture war issues that excite the base. He's going to talk about every marginalized group of people in the state of Mississippi. He's going to talk about how he's doing everything he can to hurt them and to defend others. And he's going to be a divisive speaker, just like he has been for the last several months. It's going to be us against them politics. It's going to be set off a bomb, point to the, you know, the shiny new issue of the day that's firing people up on talk radio and places like that. And you're not going to hear him talk about hospitals because he doesn't. He doesn't talk about that. He doesn't mention health care because he doesn't have a plan. His plan is, I don't like Barack Obama's name and I'm not going to put it on a policy. Um, he doesn't have a plan for things like roads. We, we have an infrastructure problem in Mississippi and he hasn't been part of the solution on that. So you're not going to hear him talking about issues that actually affect people in their daily lives. He's going to be talking about these hot button issues that Sean Hannity's talking about, that Rush Limbo used to talk about, that get people foaming at the mouth.
0: Quick response. The governor did leave with an infrastructure plan. I, I, I remember visually seeing the map that he is the one who presented to the legislature where they, they, the legislature spent a whole bunch of money on on doing massive infrastructure projects, this legislative session. And secondly, if if the hospitals are so angry at 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 Tate Reeves, how come we had some of the largest hospitals and some of the smaller hospitals in Mississippi leave the Mississippi Hospital Association after they endorsed Brandon Presley? I think that is because they support what Governor Reeves is doing behind the scenes, working with them to try to strengthen the hospital system in Mississippi. Obviously, Brandon Jones and I are not going to agree on all this, but I, I think it's, it's obviously very worthy of the debate that we're having.
1: Okay. Governor and the lieutenant governor seats were the two most high-profile races on the ballot last night. But down the ballot were plenty of other elections, plenty, including all of the seats in the Mississippi legislature. They might not make as much noise, but they carry a lot of significance. And Brandon, what stood out to you most about the down-ballot races?
2: A few notable things. Um, Dane Maxwell, the public service commissioner for the Southern District, the uh, Trump campaign chair for Mississippi in 2016, lost – his race for re-election. That was a bit of a surprise. Um, Rufus Strotter, longtime member of the House from Humphreys County, who has served since 1994. He lost his race, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, We also have Doug McLeod, who people will remember from the domestic violence issues that came up down in George County, Loosedale. That really was one where they thought McLeod might be safe. He appears to have lost that one. There are a couple others here and there, Brady Williamson in Oxford, some other incumbents who lost. Those are interesting um, races, and I'm sure we'll see some more. There will be runoff, but those are a few that come to mind.
0: Austin? Obviously, the the Dame Maxwell race uh, really surprises me. But listen, voters make decisions. OK, and that's and that's the that's the process we have set up. And thank goodness we have that process set up that we let the voters decide. Uh, and obviously there were issues with those candidates and those races that that Brandon just referenced. And um, I, don't, I don't really know what else to say besides that. And I'm, I'm glad the voters made the final decision on that, as they will in November.
1: OK, there is one issue um Rodney Hall, a black candidate, yes, one House District Twenty.
0: Yes, he, yeah, Rodney Hall is going to be the is going to be the first African American legislator, Republican legislator, yes, since Republican. Reconstru- since Reconstruction. Um, he, from DeSoto County, as a guy who worked on Trent Kelly's staff, uh, I, I've I've not met him personally. Hear lots of wonderful things about him. He's going to be a he's going to be a immediate star, immediate star, and leader. Uh, within the Republican caucus. So good, good for him. I'm glad to see that happen. And and also DeSoto County, I believe, elected the first ever African-American sheriff, which is a Republican uh, in DeSoto County as well. Don't ask me for his name. I can't remember it. But I do know that happened. Good for DeSoto County.
1: Do we have a quick comp- time for a quick comment from Brandon? OK, Brandon. Uh, I,
2: I don't know that I have anything to add to that. I, look, this has been good to talk about. As, as you said earlier, it, it takes a minute to process some of this. So we've tried to do our best to break it down with some instant reaction. But um, a lot to dive into. Exciting night in Mississippi politics. No question.
1: This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thank you so much, Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones, for coming in today to talk about these important issues